0: hello and welcome to the bad fan podcast i am your host cole carter and we are so glad you have turned tuned in with us today if you are listening along on spotify then a big welcome to you And if you are following us on youtube then i hope you leave a like if you find today's episode to be smashing if you are new to the podcast then we would encourage you to subscribe as well today and as always i can't do this thing alone so i am joined by my good friend brandon patesnick And together, we will take a journey through the world of sports, giving you an informative rundown on the headlines that you need to know and discussing our views that may go against the grain of normal fans. Brandon, it's good to see you. How was the weekend, Brew?
1: It was good. It was good. Um, Spring feels like it's finally here. I know, I think in Atlanta, it's been there for a hot minute, but Columbus is getting that 40 to 50 to 60. I think it hit, hit 70 today. So. Um, It's feeling good. I went on a run today, my first spring run, so I'm feeling great. Um, And I'm excited to get into the rest of the spring sports. Yeah, well,
0: you know, in Atlanta, you have winter and you have fake spring and you have winter and you have fake spring again. I think (laughs) hopefully we're in the real spring now. It's so hard to tell. Yeah, but you're well aware that it it likes to trick you. It likes to keep you on your toes and you really never know what you're going to get out of Georgia weather. But you know, That's why we love it. We stick through it, highs and lows, hot and cold-ish is how it is. (laughs) But I'm sure the pollen is coming, and for those people that hate pollen, um, they can probably expect to get that allergy medicine ready soon. Mm -hmm. But we are going to jump in, um, and we're going to begin our Bad Fan journey today with... More MLB free agency transactions, with some of the biggest names left on the market going to their not-so-forever homes. Uh, four, five, six-year deals coming from a lot of people this off-season, and we'll begin with Carlos Correa, who puts pen to paper on a three-year, 105.3 million dollar deal with the Minnesota Twins. Which, after a very successful tenure in Houston individually, you know we for- some people forget they did cheat, um, banging <laughs> on some trash cans, but. Uh, this deal sees him become the highest paid infielder in baseball. The Twins had a great 2020 season, making it to the playoffs. Uh, 2021, they saw some falloffs, so hopefully bringing in Correa will help see them improve this season, maybe return to the playoffs once again. Trevor Story, the other big name shortstop that was on the market from the Colorado Rockies, has signed his six-year, year $140 million contract with the Boston Red Sox, making his way up north, who... And a loaded AL East division will hopefully use his bat to swing them into contention in 2022. Brandon, of those two shortstops, I'm putting you on the spot. Which one would you see changing the trajectory of those teams
1: more? So the Red Sox had a really good into their season last year. Um, Trevor Story might push them further than they got. I'm expecting Trevor Story to maybe have a bigger impact on the team that he's on. Also, Carlos Correa's option—he has options at the end of each year um, to whether he wants to go back there. He can go back and hit the free agency market. So, Carlos Correa could have a really good year. Let's say they don't make the playoffs and go get paid by another team um, in the next, you know, the next market. So, crazy stuff there. But I think Trevor Story might not, maybe not have a better year, but might help the Red Sox go a little bit further. Right. Um, so, yeah, another big move here. Outfielder Nick Castellanos signed a five-year deal, a <laughs> $100 million contract with the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, so, you know, that, that pair is a dangerous hitting trio in the outfield of Kyle Schwarber, Castellanos, and the MVP winner uh, Bryce Harper, who I think everybody knows. Um you know they're keeping up with the Joneses. They're good. Um, they've they've been wanting to compete in the past years, but haven't been able to do it. Now with the likes of the New York Mets spending big big money, the defending World Series champions in the Atlanta Braves, our team um, also getting stronger. You know it's it's going to be another tough year in the NL East.
0: Yeah, well, people might forget that the Phillies, I think, are the team that had the longest playoff drought in the NL East. I mean, you have the Braves who won the World Series in 2021, the Nationals who won in, I think, 2019, and then the Mets went to the World Series in 2015. So the Phillies haven't been in the playoffs since, like, 2010. So they really have been spending a lot of money, like, on, you know, MVP Bryce Harper, but he hasn't changed the team that much, so maybe Castellanos can come in and give them a spark in a really tough division that people saw being tougher in 2021, but maybe 22 is finally when... They'll really go head-to-head more this year. But the Braves did get stronger. What did they do?
1: They signed a couple of pitchers, um, mainly, namely, uh, Kinley Jansen. You know, we'll give the Dodgers Freddie, and we'll take their their closing pitcher. Uh, we signed him to a one-year deal, $16 million contract. Um, you know, he's a great addition to what in, in Atlanta they call the night shift, which is their, their bullpen. Uh, what a great name that is.
0: Or the arm barn. The arm barn. The, bull, the bullpen should be apparently called now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Joking around about that. Um, but yeah, you know, we all, the Braves only get stronger. I keep saying we, the Braves only get stronger with him. Uh, they also added Colin McHugh and Kirby Yates to that group. So I think it's going to be another good year in the at least um, for the Braves, hopefully, but it'll be, it'll be a tough year. um, now for me to put it back to you who do you think out of these moves um, will work out the best or have the biggest impact this season
0: i think the biggest fit is kenley jansen i think him coming to atlanta helps just to solidify that bullpen even more Um, braves fans will know well about the will smith experience in the regular season Um, his ability or inability to close out games was always a topic of conversation (laughs) but ultimately it didn't matter what happened in the regular season because in the playoffs, he was unstoppable. I don't even think posting any earned runs in the playoffs. So I think Kenley Jansen is the best fit. I think the most dangerous one is going to be Castellanos in Philadelphia. Um, like you said, that trio Schwarber, Castellanos, Bryce Harper, and don't forget Reese Hoskins, who's also a big bat in that lineup. I mean, those are four great hitters that Mm -hmm. when they're consistent and playing well, um, 162 game season a lot of teams won't want to have to face them um, in the order so I think Castellanos ultimately will probably have the biggest impact if he can stay healthy and he can be who he was in Cincinnati and in Detroit prior to that so that's what I would say Um, Mm -hmm. but outside of the MLB we're also in the offseason of the NFL where some more moves were made there Um, some that shake up the landscape of the league and also some that certainly turn some heads um, but yet to be determined if that head turning is for reasons on the field or off the field. Uh, but the first one is down in New Orleans. Jameis Winston got a little action. Uh, <laughs> returns to be back with the Saints. If you are on Spotify, I just made the thing where he puts like the W, like he's licking his fingers after eating some some crabs. Anyways, back to it. Jameis Winston signs a deal to be back with the New Orleans Saints, signing a two-year. million contract with 21 million of that being guaranteed. So this comes after a deal that, um, last year had been anticipated that he would be the new starter in New Orleans after Drew Brees retired, but that was derailed after Jameis tore his ACL. So if he can find his best form, uh, we know that Jameis, I think one year had more touchdowns than anyone else in the NFL, but he also had more interceptions than anyone else in the NFL. So he can be a highly productive quarterback but we know he is a liability at his worst when he can turn the ball over more than anyone. So keeping an eye on new Orleans, uh, a lot of people were thinking they were in the sweepstakes for this next guy that you'll talk about. Um, but ultimately they went back to Jameis. So tell us about what happened up in Cleveland.
1: Yeah. You know, a lot of teams seem to be in for this guy and it's Deshaun Watson. Um, if you've been following any of the NFL news, um, he's probably taken all the headlines. Um, yeah, Deshaun Watson is traded to the Cleveland Browns. Um, The deal is worth $230 million over five seasons, and it's all guaranteed. Um, So it's pretty straightforward. Uh, Signing bonus was $44.965 million spread out over the length of five years, Um, and that averages out to $8.993 million each season on top of his deal. So... That's a lot that, of money. That's <laughs> a lot of money. Let's just say that for a player who he didn't play last year, did he? No, not at all. Um, Cause I think he was dealing with all these off the field issues. Um, and which, which I'll, I'll bring up in just a second, but to finish out the deal, the Texans received three first round picks, which includes um, the number 13 overall draft uh, selection in the 2022 NFL draft, as well as pick number one Oh seven, which is, ends up being in the fourth round um a 2023 third round pick and a 2024 fourth round selection um that's a lot i will say um especially for a guy you don't know if he's going to even play so i'm really confused and um basically that is because he's still facing 22 civil counts of sexual misconduct and sexual assault Um, according to Harden, the Harris County district attorney, um, he will likely decide by April 1st, whether Watson will be charged criminally. Um, so I don't know if the NFL knows something we don't, if they have their best lawyers on the case. I mean, I, it's just hard to talk about, you know, I, and I feel like I mentioned this before in a different podcast, but these guys, I'm sure they feel like they're (laughs) they just, they just can't be brought down, you know, just because they can sling, sling the rock, throw the ball throw the pigskin. They can shoot the hoop. They can, whatever it is. I mean, they just get away with it because they're good at a sport. And, um, I feel like a lot of people, um, typically women aren't protected when it comes to this stuff. Now, I think everybody has the right to, you know, an equal and just, um, courting. Yeah, Yeah. Courting process. But, um, you know, as they say, where there's smoke, there's typically fire somewhere. And uh, when you have 22 accounts, you know, that's just, uh, a lot of, a lot of question marks there.
0: Yeah. It's, a it, for me, it's, it's pretty hard to ignore that number. You know, 22 women is not just something that comes out of the blue. Um, but as you just said, it's, it's up to the legal process ultimately um, for what happens on the football field. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, maybe personally it'll leave a stain, but, um, for the Cleveland Browns, they've decided regardless of the outcome that they're committing to this guy, um, even if something civil happens that they want him to be their quarterback. And that's, that's just sort of how it's going to be. I mean, unfortunately for how, what may have happened to women, their opinion here is not going to change the Browns opinion on Deshaun Watson.
1: And I just think like the NFL just uh, has terrible rules around this stuff. It's outdated. Um, It doesn't make any sense how someone who doesn't pass a drug test has, seems like much more punishment than someone who hits a girl at a bar. Like it, none of it, none of it makes sense to me. And I don't know enough about all the rules, but just all the stuff that we've seen over the years, it just puts a little bit of a, a bad taste in my mouth, but um, maybe that's for another day. Another discussion, um, but but the quarterback that's there, first round pick, number one overall pick, I'm pretty sure Baker Mayfield. You might have heard that name. Uh, where does he go? You know, I, I I I wonder. Like, so they still have Baker there. Uh, so is basically is he the backup now? Maybe we'll start the season. Um, I mean, do you know where he might go? I have no idea.
0: Well, I mean, I if I'm Baker Mayfield. I don't see him as a guy just going to concede his position. He definitely sees himself as a number one guy. Baker Mm -hmm. isn't going to just sit around and do nothing. Ultimately, he'd probably prefer if the team decides to move on from him, But he doesn't want to be a backup to a guy. He wants to go and have his own team to lead. So, you know, you did just have Seattle move on from Russell Wilson. Um, Do they want, you know, a guy that's been inconsistent and been injured this past season? Or do they want a fresh start with a younger quarterback? Um, do the Lions move on from Jared Goff so early? know, um, yeah, there's a couple of different teams that might could use a quarterback, but um, I haven't heard any clear indications of where he may go. Um, but it sounds like his tenure in Cleveland may be coming to an end. And um, if anything, yeah, he is that safety net for the Browns. If Deshaun legally has issues that he may be suspended for half or the full season. We may not even see him in 2022 if he comes out of this process, you know, innocent, but, um, the NFL may find a way to suspend him. So yeah, maybe Baker does need to be around and maybe we have a quarterback battle in the near future. But, um, ultimately though I have no idea where Baker's going to end up, (laughs) but the matter that I'm thinking about is who won this trade. Um, have yeah, yeah, the Texans, who got a lot of draft picks, a lot of um, prospects that they can bring in the team now, or the Cleveland Browns, the ones that got Deshaun Watson at a high price. Or for me, I'm the one that's thinking about the Atlanta Falcons who were this close to being on in on Deshaun Watson and uh, didn't land him. So did they maybe dodge a bullet if everything goes south for Deshaun? Um, what are you thinking from the teams that were involved in this
1: trade? Um, the Texans definitely won the trade i think it's safe to say um they have a a pretty decent quarterback i'd say there and uh davis mills who's um from where we grew up the local Gwinnett county big big football county um you know he went to stanford by the way you know i'd like to see them maybe give give him a shot and he could be one of those guys that sort of comes out of nowhere and could play well enough um where they might not Need to draft a quarterback maybe this year, but they again they do have the thirteenth overall pick, so there might be a quarterback in there. They might try to go get, especially with all these new picks. You know they could trade up, they could do a bunch of things. So um, that's a different conversation for later. But I definitely think that the, the Texans won it. Um, you know this this Deshaun thing I think put a bitter taste in Matt Ryan's mouth um, and sort of maybe. Not forced, but maybe forced this this next topic you're about to say.
0: Yeah, it definitely you know, I think he may have been involved in the conversations. It's unclear of where he landed in the Falcons organization and their hierarchy of, you know, the conversations being had between the GM and head coach Arthur Smith. But um because in Atlanta the whole thing with Deshaun Watson happened, um it maybe, you know, showed their hand and so the 14 year veteran in 2016 nfl mvp matt ryan has been traded um, from the atlanta falcons to the indianapolis colts for a third round pick um, <laughs> kind of crazy i mean a lot of people were thinking that had the deshaun thing not happened in atlanta atlanta could have maybe even gotten a first round pick maybe two draft picks and so they only got a third round pick that's um, not nothing that is something um but you know matty ice had been the cornerstone of this franchise since the moment he was drafted in the first round in 2008 so 14 years ago Um, and had brought some of the best moments for the franchise since they came to atlanta in 1966 so for what the colts are getting they're getting a proven winner now in recent memory people will say a proven winner from atlanta no there's no way but atlanta has been consistent under matt ryan Um, he's led by example even these past couple years when the team has been and some pretty low moments and some low lows. Um, but now the Colts will have some consistency at the quarterback position position that they haven't had since Andrew Luck had that abrupt retirement um, due to injury concerns and concussion concerns. He retired pretty young. So finally, they may have some kiss consistency. Um, but now Matt will be coming into a team that's potentially primed to make a Super Bowl run. Um, they had their breakout star, Jonathan Taylor, who had an amazing year last year um so if he can continue his ability to run the ball and to score touchdowns and with the stout offensive line that can finally protect matt ryan um, maybe he can get some more time to make some good passes down the field Uh, we know his accuracy ability is still there Um, so maybe this is the, the guy that indianapolis needed to get them you know over the edge and into that playoff contention and maybe into the super bowl conversation um but the Falcons, they do have some consolation in this trade. Um, despite now having the largest dead cap salary hit in NFL history, um, basically, if you're not in the know, meaning despite not being on the team anymore, uh, Matt Ryan's money due to him will still go against the Falcons' spending ability this season. So that big number being $40 million, <laughs> um, which is huge. million. So that's pretty detrimental to Falcons this season. Um, But if you look forward, you can see why the Falcons made this deal. Um, Basically, it gets Matt Ryan off the books for next year, which for the 2023 season is huge. Uh, That's a huge relief. The Falcons now will, instead of having um, like $9 million this year. Next year, they'll have well over $136 million of free space uh, to rebuild this team that really needs it. Um, Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith have been brought into this Atlanta team to transform it, to take it from a 2016 Super Bowl appearance team to back down to the bottom at the end of um, Dimitrov's reign. So Fontenot and Arthur Smith are looking to get some assets like this third-round pick to rebuild this team. Um, but to put a band aid on a gaping wound, the Falcons did sign Marcus Mariota for two years um, for about $18.75 million. So this is a reunion for Arthur Smith, the head coach of the Falcons and Mariota from their time in Tennessee. Uh, but he doesn't fit the bill for the Falcons in the long term. Uh, I mean, you have to think. Uh, Mariota has been inconsistent, he's had some injury issues. Um obviously coming out of college he was highly rated and a Heisman guy um but I'm I'm hoping as a Falcons fan I'm begging the Falcons to not take a quarterback this year. Do not do it. If you are a Falcons GM who's listening to this podcast, please. Uh I think that this draft of the quarterbacks is really not that good. Um I'm thinking you next year at a guy like Bryce Young. You know, if I'm the Falcons, yeah, you know, there's some teams that are pretty bad that don't need quarterbacks. The Jaguars are going to be a terrible team, but they have Trevor Lawrence. So if you're bad enough, Bryce Young might slip down to Atlanta next year. So don't do it this year. Let's build that offensive line. Let's continue to work on that defense. There's some great guys that are available in the draft. I would much rather take them if I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan. Um, so yeah, Marietta will, will be a nice band-aid this year. Um, he'll be able to compete with some other bad guys like Josh Rosen, <laughs> Felipe Franks. Um,
1: so I don't I'm even sure- think Josh Rosen is still there. I think his contract was up. So I who knows? He, he might, might be back. He who might knows? be back. Uh, AJ McCarron <laughs>
0: might be back. I really don't oh, know. So there's not a bright spot at the quarterback position for Atlanta, but uh, they're competent enough to where they can maybe win three games, and Atlanta will have a good chance for a decent uh, prospect next season, but, um, we'll see how that all unfolds. We have lots of time between now and the draft. Uh, the Falcons will be picking, I believe it's the eighth pick. So kind of not where they want it to be. I'm sure a lot of fans probably want them to be in the top five, but they end up at eighth. Um, but moving on from that, Brandon, like we talked about last time, it's March <laughs> baby. So tell me about some March madness that's been going on.
1: Oh man, you're going in on the Falcons there. I was, um, I yeah. want to see that team succeed so bad. God, it's not going to be good this year, unfortunately. But hey, but also, right. I was
0: thinking about it. I'll be able to get a Matt Ryan jersey for Chief now. <laughs> so that's exciting.
1: Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, man, what a guy. He'll be he'll be missed for sure in Atlanta. But yes, you said it's March. It's madness. It's March madness. And the St. Peter's, the 15 seed peacocks are still in it. Man. In this dancing in the sweet 16. <laughs> It's absolutely insane, uh, and they're looking really good. So you know, I'm sure they busted a lot of brackets. You know, I know they busted a lot of brackets. So good for them. Uh, and that's this is what it's all about, right? It's it's just about teams you never heard about going in there, mixing it up, trying their hardest and trying to win. I keep saying six straight. I don't know if it's six or five or whatever it is. Um, trying We're to win and go the championship. All the way. That's all yeah. that matters. Yeah, and they're all you know, all the teams are good. So, um, it's really awesome to see, and, you know, Michigan, for example, 11 seed, that's a, that's another surprise so far in the tournament. not, not a, not a great season, but they do make it into the tournament as an 11 seed. Right. Um, when you think
0: about Michigan though? I mean, they've been relevant for a lot of, I mean, you think just like recent memory, they won in 2013, I think obviously had the fab five, like Michigan historically is a good basketball program. So yeah. I mean, they shouldn't be overlooked as much as probably they were coming in, but they're a solid team.
1: Yeah, and you know, with the Big Ten probably being the best conference in in bat yeah. college basketball. As a whole. Yeah, it's it's um you know, some teams can have tough seasons. I think that's why they usually Big Ten teams get the benefit of the doubt. Right. Um beat up and- on each other. Yeah, yeah, and you and you see that you see that here. You know they're looking really good under Juwan Howard. Um, they're gritty. They got good pieces. They're big man. I, I, he's really tall and he can shoot from wherever. Ready to fight um, whenever. Oh just yeah, like head coach. <laughs> we won't talk about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, be watching watching out for them. You know, um, I, th- I think they they could make it to lead eight. They can even make the final four. Um, they're they're pretty solid. So. Uh, but we do have three one seeds in it still. I know I said last, le- last week Gonzaga is going to get bounced, and it could be by Memphis. Uh, it was not. It was a close game, though. Um, and their two big guys came up really big again. Um, Baylor, the one seed, See ya. Uh, they did get bounced. And um, who do we have? It's Kansas and Arizona, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, just just great overall teams, well coached. Yeah, um, Bill
0: Self has been in Kansas for I gotta think two decades now, maybe. And he's been yeah. around a long time. Back when like time. Mario Chalmers was there in like 2006 <laughs> yeah. or something like that.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of good coaches still left in in the tournament. Um, I think two seed Villanova. That coach has been around for a while. He's won a, won a national championship. Um, they look pretty good against Ohio State too. So yeah, a lot of good teams to win it. Obviously, that's how the tournament goes. Uh, but I wouldn't be, um, I wouldn't be afraid to say that there's probably going to be some more upsets in, in here. So let's hope so. Um, At this point,
0: we just want chaos.
1: Yes, please bring it. Like the is it the commercial Buffalo uh, Wild Wings? That one oh, and is it is it State Farm? Who's the guy? Oh, I can't remember. His name is I mean. K. He calls himself Chaos.
0: Oh, Mayhem.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, Whatever it it is. (laughs) Those, those commercials are pretty fun. Yes. Um, But what most people actually care about when it comes to March madness, um, the brackets, right? Um, There are no more perfect brackets and I don't think that's surprising to anybody. Um, That's just classic. That's just how it goes. And in fact, do you know, how what the, what are the odds to have a perfect bracket? <laughs> I know it's a really big number
0: and I know the odds are better to get hit by lightning <laughs> to win the lottery. I think to get hit by lightning on the way to win the lottery is like better <laughs> odds than
1: like winning a perfect bracket. bracket. Yeah, well, I looked it up. It's 1 in 9.2 quintillion. That's
0: not even uh, a real number.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> basically you know, this is sort of a fun question uh, for us. And anybody, if you're listening, get in the chat, hit us up on Instagram, tell us what you think. Will there ever, ever be a perfect bracket in the history of the world? Will there ever be a perfect bracket?
0: You know, they said that there would never be a 16 seed to be the one seed. So I'm an optimist. <laughs> I do think that at some point, whether it be computer generated, or human-generated. I do think that there is someone that will get lucky enough by happen's chance, to predict a perfect bracket. Um, odds are meant to exist because it does mean something can happen. Mm. So people are banking on this thing to happen. I know like a decade ago, I'm pretty sure Warren Buffett offered like a million dollars or something like that if someone could do it. A million or a billion or something. I read billion, that this week. Whatever it is, I hope the offer is still on the table because I'm hoping it's me. <laughs> uh, I'm waiting to make some big bucks. So let it come my way. I mm-hmm. want to beat the odds.
1: Go <laughs> looking for a quick buck there. Um, Any way I can. Yeah. You know, never tell me the odds like Han Solo says, but no, no one, no one will ever, <laughs> those odds are unheard of right there. Um, so that's basically saying 0% chance. Um, so no, my answer to that, no way. Uh, but Fair watch enough. it happen. Watch it happen. That'd be a lot of fun, right? I'm here for it. Um,
0: so I'll yeah, be asking, I'll be asking whoever won it for a little bit of cash. Mm-hmm. Just share the love.
1: Yeah, hopefully we know him. <laughs> but we move on to the league we love most, and that's the Premier League. Um, we didn't do any predictions or anything last week, so we're just going to really glance over a couple of the games this week because. There weren't many. I think there were only. It was like four or two, five over the weekend. Three, maybe yeah.
0: even that. Yeah.
1: Well, there weren't a lot, but they did happen to involve our two teams. Um, so Arsenal came to Villa and won one nothing. Um, I watched this game. I don't know if you did, but it was pretty much a stalemate of a game. You know, it probably should have ended in a zero zero draw, or maybe in a one one draw. It's it just was one of those games. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're feeling good, like Arsenal is and has been for most of the season, you know things tend to bounce your way. And in this, in this case, Saka's goal I think was deflected a little bit, and um, Martinez for Villa, the goalkeeper was was um, shielded off and couldn't see the ball until it was basically past him. So one nothing. They um, keep trying to solidify their place in fourth. Um, but another big big game uh, in that chase for fourth.
0: Yes, I really needed the villains to do better to help I know. out, Um, but that's okay. We still have some games left in hand uh, to play, but uh, Tottenham did play over the weekend. They actually had a really big game in that race for the top four. Um, Not only Tottenham, but West Ham are involved in that top four race, and Tottenham took care of business. Uh, They uh, beat them three to one at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and this was a game that could have even been five to one in Tottenham's favor. Um, The usual suspects showed up. Sonny, known as Sanaldo, um, he did have two goals. He almost had the hat trick, um, but he didn't get enough of a touch on that first goal. It ended up being ruled an own goal um, against Kurt Zouma, the cat abuser. Um, Harry Kane did end up having two assists, uh, so they combined once again um, to just be that unstoppable force that Tottenham needs them to be. Um, as the race for the top four continues, um, they still have a game, a huge game against Liverpool. I think at Anfield that Tottenham is going to have to find a result from somehow. Um, I think Arsenal still has three or four really big games, but ultimately the one that matters the most still waiting for it to be scheduled um, is that North London Derby that really could actually come down to who might get that fourth spot. So my eyes are open. They're peeled to when that schedule is coming out. Mm -hmm. I still have my ticket to the game. Um, Let me know as a listener, as a viewer, should I go and buy a ticket to see that North London Derby? Is it worth it to buy a plane? You ticket? I mean, a plane ticket. It? Yeah, a plane okay. ticket. I have, I have a game ticket. Should I buy a plane ticket just for the game? You guys, let me know what should I do. You're in control of my wallet today. Um, <laughs> hey, you know.
1: Yeah, leave it, it to them.
0: Could you imagine being there? Tottenham wins. No, we no. clinch Champions League. That would be amazing. That would probably be one it. of the best North London Derbies ever. So. Yeah. be awesome so we'll see we'll see um but over the weekends there weren't as many premier league games but the mls was still in full force we gave you our fast five this is some review of it i made a mistake guys (laughs) you know brandon pointed it out in the uh it's it's actually here again back on our script we have red bulls versus at col if you were listening to this and you were looking at this script and it said COL. What would you think of? You'd probably do what I did, and I would say Colorado. That's supposed to be CLB, meaning Columbus. Whatever. Uh, and who wrote <laughs> that?
1: That was you, right?
0: It was probably my <laughs> fault. Anyways, uh, we won't we won't talk about that anymore. We're not going to count that prediction we made. Anywho, it did end up as a one-one draw. But the ones we did talk about, Austin and Seattle played. Um, Austin had a great game at home but they couldn't get that second goal to snatch away the win against Seattle. Uh, Steve had Austin winning 4-2. to That was a really bold <laughs> prediction. Um, Brent, I think you said you wanted to have a draw, but you said Seattle winning 2-1, to I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I said a nil-nil draw, so I'll take some points there um NYCFC took on the philadelphia union the union got a 2-0 win uh the baseball field team loses crazy isn't it <laughs> it's fascinating how sometimes how? they do lose when they literally have the biggest advantage in soccer um but bedoya scored and who else scored for union I believe it's pronounced gazdag I I, I,
1: I I i'm not too sure about that cool name yeah
0: uh, Steve had that one in Philadelphia's favor. So right on, Steve. Wish you were here tonight. Um, Brandon, you had New York winning. I said a draw. Both of us were wrong. So we are not profits. As you may think, we're probably experts, which we're flattered by you thinking, as, thinking we're experts, but we're not. Um, RSL took on Nashville. Uh, they got the win at home. So two to one. Uh, Steven's favorite FIFA player in 2017, uh, Bobby Wood. <laughs> The flying Hawaiians scored early for RSL. Uh, Walker Zimmerman got a goal, so he responded with that himself. But uh, Schmidt of RSL scored in the 54th minute to get the winner. So uh, kind of crazy. That's going to be probably a team to watch out for. RSL, are they going to be good enough to make the playoffs? Can they hold their own this season? Um, Nashville's supposed to be up there in the West. So um, pretty good matchup early on the season. I'm sure they'll see each other again down the road. But um, the last one was crazy. Uh I was watching it. Steve predicted that,
1: by the way. He predicted that dead on, two one.
0: Two one. You had Nashville. I had Nashville. We were
1: So Steve knew. Steve might have a little mystical ball that
0: he can look into the future. Yeah, he's got that magic eight ball working (laughs) Um but the last one was crazy. I mean, Unreal finish Atlanta and Montreal finished three to three. And this was just a cracker of a game. It was a cracker. a cracker, I'd say a crap
1: shoot, a crap, shoot. God, what an awful game
0: uh Joseph got uh, going early, I think it was like the fifth minute. Joseph had a great goal, uh skinned it off the top of the bar down into the net, uh so that was really nice, turning the ball over on Montreal side, Joseph turning around and putting it in for Atlanta's goal, but man, Brady, what happened on those next goals, dude?
1: I don't know, like you don't even see that in like Sunday League or you know. <laughs> Our church league. (laughs) uh, Yeah, Wednesday night, 9 p.m. league. Like, You don't see this, but off of a corner, which was a terrible routine, and I hope we never do it ever again, but we probably will. Uh, Brooks Linden plays a terrible ball to the center of the field. We don't have anybody on the midway line. We don't have any defenders dropped. Everybody's in the box or on the edge of the box. Um, So vulnerable. A a terrible turnover leads to... um, I I just don't know the last time I ever saw that happen in in like a competitive game. I mean, it was two on one, and the one being Brad Guzan, the goalkeeper, who got flung to
0: a washing machine.
1: Yeah, there's not much he could do. He might as well just like lay down on the end line with his hands up or something. I if you haven't seen it, just go back and watch the highlights. You'll sort of get a glimpse of what we're talking about, but. Yeah, terrible goal to give away. We just look so bad in defense.
0: Yeah, but Atlanta got the spark they needed. The red card from Dom Dwyer got the team going. (laughs) I wouldn't call that a spark. (laughs) Well, it did something because in like the 86th minute, uh, Tiago Amada scored a world-class goal um, Mm -hmm. from the edge of the box, putting in the top right part of the net. Uh, And then the 92nd minute, Brooks Lennon doing just enough to put the keeper off of his feet. And the keeper probably just didn't see the ball until it was too late and Atlanta got the equalizer late and sent the stadium into mayhem, which insane, insane, insane. Atlanta really needed that Maybe. result despite the red card in like the 60th minute. Um, so. Also, I
1: don't think that pin that was given to them was a penalty. And I don't know, I I don't really trust VAR all that much to tell a referee to go look at it, but I, I watched it multiple times. I was like, there's not much to give a penalty there, but Oh, well it ends as a draw, terrible game. I won't ever yeah. look back at the highlights to say that was a classic or anything. Um, and I predicted a draw. I said two, two, but.
0: I said Atlanta yeah. was going to score three goals. I just didn't know Montreal was going to score three goals. <laughs> Steven also thought the same, but Hey, you know, we were close, but we didn't get the result quite correct. So yeah. at the end of the day, Steven got two of the four, uh, that we actually corrected, you know, <laughs> besides the, New York game you had one of four I had one of four. so we're not very good but we're gonna keep doing it um Mm -hmm. something fun to talk about uh another Atlanta guy that we wish was still on the team we really need this guy for depth but Brandon Vasquez another brace up in Cincinnati helping them get another win against the bottom dwellers of MLS you love saying that (laughs) it feels good Uh, but yeah they just look like garbage but Brandon Vasquez is staying hot I think he's Technically leading the MLS Golden Boot race, um, and Charlotte gets their first win over the New England Revolution, who have been looking a little cold recently. So we'll see if New England can get back on track or not. Um, yeah, but as we always do, we'll jump back over the pond to a little bit of more soccer notes. Um, and El Clasico happened. This was crazy, wasn't it? What happened in that one?
1: Yeah, El Clasico got Barcelona playing Real Madrid, and it was at Real Madrid actually. Uh, but that, um, didn't really matter. Um, <laughs> Obama Yang, the striker from Arsenal, um, scored a brace leading, uh, Barcelona to victory. They really, really just dominated in every facet of the game. Uh, Real Madrid looked very bad. Um, I don't know if it was tactics or they just didn't show up that day or, or what it was, but, um you know, they're really hoping they can shake that off going into the Champions League quarterfinals versus Chelsea. I think they're playing Chelsea. So, you know, that's in a couple of weeks now. I'm sure they'll be pumped up for that game or those, those, the pair of games, but yeah. nothing. not, not really will be if
0: they have uh, Benzema back or not. I don't know if he will be
1: because mm, that's true.
0: And maybe he didn't make a difference if he was there over the weekend against Barcelona. Um, but, you know. Madrid, that was probably one of their worst uh, Clasico showings, I'm Mm -hmm. sure, in their history. Certainly in recent memory, especially in a season where Barcelona has had two high coaches and now they're back on track, but a Barcelona team that didn't really find their edge until recently, especially with Aubameyang coming in and the man is in form scoring in his past five games. So, um, crazy, crazy result. Um, The FA Cup did happen. Um, City cleaned up against Southampton. Liverpool got over the line versus Nottingham Forest, so not shocking results, but gives us huge, huge uh, semifinals, um, which sees City versus Liverpool and Chelsea versus Crystal Palace. Uh, City and Liverpool now play twice in April, don't they?
1: Yeah, they do. Um, two big games, one probably bigger than the other, um, that being the league game. Um, but yeah, within two weeks, City's going to play Atletico Madrid for the Champions League game at home um at city. Um they're going to play Liverpool at city an away leg against Atletico. And then the semi-final FA Cup against Liverpool. Uh I, woof. That is that is a tough two week period right there. Um man, you know this could really turn turn the title race, couldn't it?
0: It's going to be crazy. I mean, Liverpool I think it's is it within one point right now. It's one point, yeah. Table? So this is going to be huge. These are really the biggest games of the year. Um, people are saying that because of these big games that Liverpool might have the edge in finishing out the Premier League title race. So that would be crazy to see. Um, I mean, I'm just waiting for these guys to start complaining about the amount of fixtures they have. <laughs> You know, it came up this week again. I'm going to trash on them because I can. But Arteta was complaining about Arsenal having too many games. It's like, dude, you haven't been in any European competition. You're not in any of the domestic competitions. It's like, stop complaining. Mm-hmm. These guys like Chelsea, these guys like Liverpool and City, they're the ones playing like three times a week consistently. <laughs> you have like five to six days in between every game. Your guys are fine. Your team is literally succeeding because you don't have games to play. That's why you're in fourth. I don't think you could have managed Europe and domestic anyways, city have an uphill battle against them, especially in the champions league. And it's not going to get any easier playing if they want to win like a treble, if they want to win a quad, um, actually it's Liverpool or city that can win the quad, whichever one's in for the competition still. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, yeah, crazy, crazy. Can't wait to see those games. I won't be missing those for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, you know, the FA cup, Pep takes it very seriously. Um, I'm sure Liverpool will be as well. Um, so, because I don't think city hasn't won it in a minute because they usually win the Carabao, about, right. Um, and I don't that's know when right. the last time Liverpool won the FA cup, you know, I think that's usually like Arsenal's tournament for some I reason. I totally <laughs> forgot
0: the Carabao cup final already happened.
1: Yeah. So I don't know, but they're, they're going to be going for that game too. So don't, not watch that game. It'll yeah, be very competitive. It'll be huge. Um, both those teams will be, will be fighting for that trophy. Yeah. Um, so yeah.
0: Well, here at home, um, we talked a little bit last episode talking about the U S men's national team. The final round of world cup qualifying is here upon us. Um, and if you guys have followed along the U S men's team for a couple of years now, they didn't make the world cup in 2018. And this is a world cup year. So, all our prayers are being sent up right now for them to qualify. Um, but this is the team that has to do it. We talked about it. Um, we gave you the rundown, we gave you our opinions, but we talked about how we, we needed this to be the best men's team possible to ensure qualification. Um, but we talked about how you especially thought this wasn't the best team. Um, but we talked about how Sergina desk got hurt and who we think was going to replace him. Well, we got our answer and Steve was correct on this one. Once again, he is a prophet. Uh, he's is being replaced by left back George Bello formerly from Atlanta United. Now in Germany with Armenia, Belfield, um, not Joe Scally from Moschen Gladbach who I think you thought was a good replacement option.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of people really rate him and, and I do too, you know, he's getting a lot of playing time there. Um, but, you know, like like Steve said, um, Greg sort of took some favoritism to George in the previous cycle. So yeah, it is what it is. I feel, I sort of feel for Joe Joe Scally there, but George Bello is not a, not a terrible option there at left back.
0: Right. And he might be similar to like a DeAndre Yedlin who was very young in 2014 in Brazil. When he made his world cup debut george bellow mm. may be similar to him where he's getting that experience now so he feels more comfortable if the u.s qualifies in december when they go to qatar um, but a more recent update that we didn't get to fill you in then but we do now is Brendan ericson had to be withdrawn from rb salzburg um, from their starting lineup just prior to the wolfsburg match on march 20th so that means now there's some drama surrounding him in regards to his national team selection which Give me the rundown. What's up with it, and Aaronson?
1: So the report came out saying it was, it was a slight knee injury. Um, they didn't really know the severity at that time. So, um, you know, he's probably not going to be, be in the, in the camp, um, which sucks. Well, um, oddly enough, there's a lot of conflicting. There were a lot of conflicting reports on this um, in the past couple of days, um, whether he was going to be in camp or he wasn't. So according to a report by Meg Swanick, I might've said that correctly. Um, The injury would be enough for uh, Aronson to not take part in camp. Um, However, Stu Holden uh, popular announcer here in the U S tweeted that Aronson will be in camp this week. Um, Taylor Twelman turned around and came out a day later and said, Aronson will not be in camp and will be out for two to four weeks with an MCL injury only for Doug McIntyre. Another prominent journalist to say about an hour later uh, that Aronson is day to day and will actually report to camp. Well, I have the answer for everybody. The U.S. men's national team came out and confirmed that oh, he will not be reporting to camp um, due to an injury. So maybe that first report was correct by Meg Swanick. So good. Good for her. getting that report correct. Um, and Stu Holden hopefully he's getting some crap on on Twitter Uh, probably not but you know that's that's an injury that just happened and Cole like as that's finally confirmed who would you call in to replace him Um, there hasn't been any posts as far as I'm concerned or as to my knowledge that they have replaced him on the roster yet so who, who would you who would you call in i think you're muted
0: i don't know what happened there anyways <laughs> i wish it was weston mckinney i wish he wasn't injured so we didn't even have to have this debate <laughs> sure um but it's tough it's tough to think about i mean you have some good depth on the team um you're gonna miss having him on the team in the forward mm-hmm. position i mean you have tim way already there giorena's back uh six there so at the end of the day, we probably weren't going to see a lot of involvement from Brendan Aronson. Um, so really, I have no idea what Greg's thinking. He could bring in a kid who's never played before. Um, so it's hard to pick his mind. It's hard for me to predict. Um, what would be your preference if you could have had to say?
1: Yeah, I, I think really the only option it can be is Josh Sargent and i'm going to i'm going to talk about him a little later but like it just has to be him he should be on the team already but you know sometimes like this gives josh a chance to come back on prove himself a little bit if he gets some playing time and he might you know might be pushing for a world cup roster spot so um yeah i mean it's obviously josh if it's someone else like who else could it be i mean i don't even know Conrad De La Fuente, he's not even playing at Marseille, uh, but he's a really he's a young gun that you know. Hopefully, I, I feel like he he's going to be one to watch for the future. I mean, heck,
0: you could bring up Josie just to have like a little bit yeah. of leadership, a little bit of that veteran presence. You know, a lot of these guys weren't around in 2018, which maybe is the reason why Josie isn't at this camp. Um, but he'd be a guy that just to be like, hey, I've been here, I understand what it's like to not make it. I also know what it's like to make the world cup. So Mm -hmm. I actually think Josie could be a good alternative just for someone to bring in some of that wisdom to bring in some of that experience to camp.
1: I think, I think that's a good shout. Uh, I wouldn't hate that. Um, you know, Greg has his favorites in Zardes. Um, he also likes legit, so he could bring in legit, like not even bring in another winger or striker. Like he just Just bring in a different field. Yeah. Just bring in another midfielder. Um, dude, who knows? Who knows at this point?
0: Well, we did see him include Dallas duo Jesus Ferreira and Paul Riola, who Ferreira just had a hat trick. Um, so, so far they've combined four goals and three assists in the first four MLS games. Um, we're hoping they can bring that competitive competitiveness to camp. Um, but what do you have to say kind of about more of the announcements and what we might expect from this next round of
1: uh, yeah. qualifying? You know, um, and sometimes when I speak about the US Men's National Team, I feel like I i come off as a very bad fan um and as you should you know i i I love the team i think that's why i get so passionate about it um you know everybody can have their opinions too which which is which is great um but jesus ferreira should not be on the team i mean i don't and i don't hate that he's there but he shouldn't be you know um Paul Ariola, maybe for that veteran presence, I can see that he's not a terrible winger, but his production there mm-hmm. this year, yeah. Um, but yeah, the hat trick came after Jesus Ferreira got called up, so good, for, good for them. You know, I, I'm excited for Jesus and um, Paul to be on the team, um, but I just know Greg's not going to play Jesus Ferreira in his position, which is more of like an attacking midfielder, like Steve was saying, so. Um, you know, out of all the nonsense and hypocritical stuff and conflicting things, Greg Burhalter, the U.S. men's national team coach, says in interviews and whatnot, um, we just know that he loves his MLS players like these two. Um, you know, and they've been working really well together in Dallas so far this year. So if they're going off of this good form, um, you know, I can just feel it already that they might be starting the game at Azteca in Mexico. I can just feel it. <laughs> I can just feel it coming and the anger boiling up in my body. Um, when we should be playing our strongest team, our best team. Um, you know, he <laughs> might be playing the duo that's in form, which again, like I said, he's very hypocritical and conflicting when he, when he talks about why he chooses players and, S- setups and whatever else. So who knows, man, who knows? I keep saying that, but honestly, who knows?
0: Right. And I know you care a lot more about Jordan P P Fock. I think you think he should probably be that guy that's leading the team. Um, in all competitions this season, uh, he has 22 goals and I think he's what five assists. Is that right? That's right. Um, so yeah, you want to say it for the people in the back?
1: Yeah. Let me say that again. Uh, Jordan P has 22 goals. And five assists. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah, so he could actually score goals. I think that's pretty good. Um, Let's also talk about how he's got some confidence running goal. Uh, He's played in the Champions League. I'm not talking about CONCACAF (laughs) Champions League. This is the real big boys tournament, uh, UEFA Champions League, uh, with young boys. So this guy, I think, even scored in the early rounds. Yeah. Like, that's insane that this kid is doing it and uh in europe so his exclusion from the team is pretty hard to comprehend it's sort of weird to again we talk about it so it's hard to pick greg's brain what he's thinking but the fact that he produces so consistently abroad on a high level it is pretty shocking to not have him in this camp especially when things are on the line well you would expect a guy like his caliber to be making the team
1: yeah so he is in this camp the oh issue is- sorry sorry make
0: the starting lineup
1: Right. He's like never, he wasn't in the past couple of camps. So therefore he's not starting and getting playing time. Correct. Um, You know, it's just, it's just odd, right? I mean, I don't know. Yeah.
0: I mean, hopefully maybe if we can get the win in Mexico, maybe then we'll see more out of him getting comfortable with the U S team. I don't know what Greg's thinking, um, but I think we would agree that he's, proven that he deserves to be in that starting 11 being that main striker. Um, Mm -hmm. But if it's not PFAC, then you talked a little bit about him a minute ago. Um, Who would be the next best
1: option? I mean, it is PFAC. That is the answer. Right. Um, You know, if this were anybody else, like imagine if Christian Pulisic had 22 goals and five assists, right? Obviously that might be a little unrealistic that he's playing in the premier league and in the Champions League. You know, the Swiss League is at a lower level than all that, but this guy is still producing. Like, if this were anybody else, if this were an MLS player, I mean, he'd be getting scouts from all over the world, you know, trying right. to trying to get bids. So it's like, I, I just don't know how he hasn't earned this. One, call-ups, but two, starting. Like, like just like Zach Steffen is the number one goalkeeper, Jordan P. Flock is the default number one striker. Yeah, I I don't understand. Um, I don't care about you, people talk about style of play. All this, all this, all this. No, he still should be in the camp. You know, maybe right. game to game. It changes, especially in qualifying. He might not start. That's fine. M- minutes are already limited. Stuff like that. I, I don't get it. But like you were you were alluding to, the next best striker, you know, as far as stat line goes, is not Pepe. No. <laughs> It's not Ferreira, even, who just had a hat trick. So even you know, if you take the a hat trick away, which I'm not going to, but even if you keep the hat trick, you know, it's not even Wea is not even really producing. It's just Sargent. Hello. Um, he's he has four goals on the year, three assists, and an awful, and I mean bad Norwich City side. Oh, yeah. Um Doomed to go down. Doomed. I mean, it's sort of like that uh, Werder Bremen team he was on, like they were just fighting relegation too, and he just couldn't get things going there because when you're at the bottom, you're not getting many chances. Right. This is you need to score. Right. Um, yeah. And so with that, like he has four goals, he has three assists. It's more productive than any of the other strikers that we would call up or have in our in our talent pool. Um, you know, and I, like I said, I don't think he's our best striker or our best option at winger. You know, but Greg likes players being able to play multiple positions, right? Um at least that's what he said when he uh called in J- James S- James Sands, um who hasn't played at all for Rangers. Oh, he can play multiple multiple positions. Okay, cool. Well, if you want to say that, and this is what I was saying earlier about the hypocritical conflicting um things that he says. Josh Sargent plays on the wing for Norwich or in a two striker system, like just depending. Um and you know has sort of produced to an extent at the highest level. You know the really? Premier League is by far the best league in the world. Um, he has the energy, probably the most energy on the team, other than Anthony. Um, like, and he can play m- multiple multiple positions. He can play on the wing. He can play as a second striker. He can play as a striker. Um, like, how is he, how is he not how is he not in the team? So. That's that's where I don't understand. Wh- like, why is Pepe getting the call and Josh isn't? Um, why would Jesus get the call over Josh? Um, you know, I just there's a lot of things I really don't understand. And I'm gonna I'm gonna stop venting because I wanted to say a lot of this last week, but we sort of moved on. I'm gonna stop venting. But like from John Brooks, you know, situation which shouldn't be a situation at all in my opinion, to calling up player's like Roll Don, who's not a bad player, but shouldn't really be in in the team because it's excluding other players that should be in the team. Um and then like to not sticking with a consistent roster every camp. You know, I just don't get it. And I know it's it's more of like a survive and advance type deal and get to we just got to get to the world cup and then it'll happen. But what happens when these guys haven't played together and they don't have that that chemistry, right? I don't know. That's those are just my thoughts. I don't know how you feel about it. <laughs> I just like it's just a headache when I feel like it doesn't have to be. I don't really see any of the countries you know, doing this. They just always call their best players into camp, and that's really just it. People know that the call-up means something. It's not just like a, a fun little token you throw out. It's a, it, it actually means something to wear the crest. And I'm saying it doesn't mean something to the players, but for the coaches, it just doesn't seem like it matters. It doesn't seem like they're, they're bringing the best American talent forward, and that's what I think really, really gets at me.
0: I think i'm thinking about the hiring of greg berhalter let's 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 track back to 2018. the u.s fails to qualify for the world cup in russia the u.s takes over a year a year to hire a head coach and this head coach now being greg berhalter i think a lot of people have this vision of yes this young u.s team a team that's been built from the bottom up we're not seeing anyone from that past World Cup squad like in a lot of the earlier, like friendlies and such, Nations League, whatever, blah, blah, blah. People are getting ahead of themselves and saying this U.S. team is going to get play so well in the World Cup when I think everything has been building up to this round of World Cup qualifying. It doesn't matter what happens in the World Cup. What matters is, is if they qualify for the World Cup. So you can say whatever you want about the U.S. men's team and you know, what might happen in Qatar, but Greg Berhalter's job is on the line here. Everything he said, every player he selected, everything has all been building up to this last window. And if he doesn't produce, then all of it will have been a waste and it will all be on his shoulders. It doesn't fall on these players, I don't think. I think it falls on him for the team that he's chosen to build the players he's excluded like you used to bring in like the fabian johnsons the dual citizens that jurgen klinsman love to involve in the team and you're not seeing as many of those players you have some but you don't have as many and so it's been a different team and this all rides on him if they fail to get enough points in these next three games um so that's what all eyes are going to be on them i mean the games start uh thursday march 24th so at 10 p.m. Eastern, so it's in Mexico. They're playing at the Azteca. Um, the next one happens on March 27th, so that's a Saturday. Um, they're playing in Orlando in the Mickey Mouse house, as it's <laughs> friendly called, uh, against Panama. And the last game, which we hope things are all wrapped up by then. We don't even really want to talk about this. They, they should right have been now.
1: wrapped up last last yeah. games. But... Um,
0: but then they finish up in Costa Rica. So this might be like Trinidad and Tobago where – they have to play away in a team that might have a chance to beat you. So that one's on Wednesday, March 30th. So I'm hoping that we can just get the job done in Azteca that we can get the points we need and that we can get this qualifying done and that we can have the boys come back, finish up their domestic leagues this year. And then as the fall and the winter approaches that, then we can really rear up for the world cup and get our roster solidified mm-hmm. and we can build some confidence. But, um, what are your predictions going into these last games? Do we feel good? Do we
1: think we can get the job done? Yeah, I think we can. Um, I'm, I'm, are we in second right now? Canada's first. Are we second?
0: Yeah, I think we should be second.
1: I think we're second. Either we're second or third. Um, but below, if we're let's say we're second. Uh, I should know this. And then Mexico's third. Right below that is Panama. So our, our second game that's in Orlando, we play Panama. They're going to be fighting for everything um and then our last game Costa Rica they're in 5th below Panama yes. so it's like these games matter to these teams and if the USA thinks they're going to play comfortably in any of these any of these three matches um we're sorely sorely mistaken and i really i just i can see it now and I don't want negative things to happen, but i I will be watching every game. I will be screaming at the television um, I will be biting my nails. I don't know you you name it I'll probably be doing um, but man god i I hope we get a tie at, at Azteca. I think that's my prediction yeah. maybe like a two I mean, two draw one one draw something like that. The
0: point spread is Canada has twenty five points right now so they're in first. Us in Mexico are actually tied. We both have 21 points, but we have the goal differential right okay. now by three goals. Um, but whoever wins that game has a huge point swing, so that's why it's so important to get a win in Mexico because mm-hmm. that gives us such an advantage because Panama's in fourth with 17 points. Again, another big point swing if let's just, if we win that game, if we draw in Mexico, I think that gets the job done we're safe. Um, so there's still so much in the air. There's so um, much it's kind of crazy i'm hoping we can put on a show in mexico not only would that get the job done but it would just it feels good to go to mexico um and win an azteca it's not something that's easy to do um, but it does take a lot and so we're fingers crossed i'll be with you i'll be watching online (laughs) Um, so it's crazy um but you know that's, fingers that's, crossed. that yeah fingers crossed that's just the life of our sports fandom mm-hmm. it ain't always easy it ain't always pretty um but it is what it is isn't it <laughs> but um to you guys that uh that about wraps things up here today on the bad fan um thank you again for tuning in today um if you liked it you know go ahead and drop a like for us um, it's free only takes a second along with if you haven't subscribed already Um, We'd be really, really appreciative if you go ahead and do that. Um, Our goal, we do have some goals for the channel, um, not only to deliver you guys informative news and give some bad fan opinions, uh, but we do want to have to try and grow this channel. So we're trying to get to 100 subs by the summer. So if you want to help us get there, uh, don't be afraid to share it with a friend. Find us on Instagram, share some posts there. Um, We have some great reels being released. We would greatly appreciate it. And lastly, get involved by commenting down below or interacting um, in the comment section on Instagram, YouTube, um, links are in the description. Um, but thank you again for joining us, all of us here at the Bad Fan Podcast. Hope you have a great day. And I've been
1: Cole Carter. He's been Brandon Pacenick, and we hope you have a great one.